If you have followed Jesus Christ for any length of time, God has probably asked you to do something, or God has made a promise, or you've gotten a God-sized vision to do something, and here's what's happened. You've had a picture in your head of how it would play out when you took the first step, but then there's what actually happened, which is so utterly different than what you had in your mind when God said and God promised and you believed. It plays out that way all the time. I remember this August, it will have been 23 years since I said, I do. And I remember everything I had in my mind when Jenny and I stood on that altar and I looked into her eyes and she looked into my eyes and I thought what that marriage would be. And then there's been what being married to Jenny has really been like. And if she were in the room, you know what she would say. There was what I thought would be married to Max, and then there was married to Max. And they were different. <laughs> okay? My career. I, when we got married, when we stood on that altar, our plan was three years of seminary, Baptist pastor. That was our plan. If our plan had come to fruition, I'd be wearing polyester right now and saying, Well, brother, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> I can still do that, by the way, okay? Last week, Daniel Pike shared a great God story, and I, I may get this wrong, but he said, in essence, you know it's God telling you to do something when it's crazy, you're embarrassed, you really don't want to do it. There's a good chance that God's part of whatever that is that's prompting you to go do something. I know exactly what that's like, because for two years, there was this thing in me, in Jenny, you need to start a church, you need to start a church, you need to start a church. And it was clear. And I had, like, God, I'm just, I'm not a preaching pastor. And the preaching pastor that's my boss tells me I can't preach. You know, that's, it's not going to work. God, I'm too young. I can't, you know, there's no way. God, I don't have any training. God, planting churches is hard, and I don't like hard. And God, I'm introverted. And God, I'm just too max. This will not work. This will never work. And so I had all these reasons in my head as to, as to you know, why I shouldn't. The funny thing is, 10 years ago this summer, I did what Kristen did to find a church. I More or less, I shoved God to a wall. It was 10 years ago this summer. So for two years, Jenny and I have clarity. You need to start a church, you need to start a church, you need to start a church. But we just didn't want to obey. I didn't want to obey. I didn't want to do it. It was too hard. I, had, I told you all the reasons why, and I had a lot more. And so one morning at the end of the bed, I prayed a prayer because I'm the head of the household, right? So I prayed a prayer for our family, and this was the prayer. All right, God, if you really want us to start a church, prove it. Today, give Jenny a job at either Rosenwald Dunbar Elementary School or Warner Elementary School and do it in the next 24 hours. Now, this was two days before school started. And so she goes, well, I guess I ought to go check the job boards. And so off she goes. And I remember the feeling that I had, and the feeling was this. Whew. We're done with that now. <laughs> she came back and she looked ashen. <laughs> she says, I have news. What's your news? I got a job. <laughs> Where'd you get a job? At Rosenwald Dunbar. Do you know what my godly thought at that moment was? <laughs> yes, it was a four-letter word. <laughs> Do 
Now, here's the thing about how God works, okay? So God tells you to do something, or you got a vision, and, a, and a God's, God's made a promise, and so you do this thing, and this is what you see, this little part. And what God is up to is always so much bigger than your part. The job at Rosenwald. So we pray this prayer, and this is God's provision so that we can take a step out and start a church, all right? Unbeknownst to us, there was someone else who prayed a prayer to God the night before, and it was the principal of Rosenwald Dunbar, who was a man at the time. And what had happened is that day, and all these people showed up to enroll their kids. They weren't expecting. And he thought, oh my goodness, I got to hire somebody. And his prayer that night was, oh God, this is a group of kids. And I've got all these first-year teachers that I interviewed and they smile real great, and they love kids, but they're going to get eaten for lunch. You need to send me a veteran. You need to send me somebody who loves you. See, Jenny and I saw provision, and then there was what God did as a result of putting Jenny back in an elementary school that year. And boy, those kids needed it. Whew, that was a ride that first year back. So if you've ever had a dream, if you've ever uh, felt like God promised you something or there, there was a God thing that was being birthed in you, I want to tell you something today. I want you to tell you something really simple, and it's a P word that makes all the difference. You ready for a P word? You know I love P words, by the way. This is a P word, all right? You ready? Persevere. 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 Hang on. Hang with it. Don't quit. Don't stop. Don't persevere. And so I want to talk to you about perseverance today, all right? There's a reason why perseverance is huge. The negative example of that is found in the Old Testament in Numbers chapter 14. Because if you don't persevere, if you quit, you miss out on some really awesome stuff. You just do. So in Numbers chapter 14, you've got this thing playing out. The Israelites had been delivered out of bondage, out of slavery from Egypt. There were all these plagues and wonders and miracles and signs and the parting of the Red Sea and they get to the promised land, and I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going, to, I'm going to suggest that they had a picture in their mind of what God's promise of, I'm going to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, meant. And then they got to the border of that land, and what they saw didn't match what they had in their head. And so they, they organize, and they send 10 spies out to go you know, get a lay of the land. And the 10 or sorry, 12. Boy, I can't count today. They got 12 men, and 12 men went out and scouted out the land, and 12 men came back. Ten of them, the majority report, this is what they said. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk. I'm guessing the scouts had a deep manly voice. <laughs> a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. <laughs> Ginormous stuff. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. <laughs> okay? Um, but Caleb, Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land. Caleb and Joshua had the minority report. So this, this, is, this is reported out, and this gets all throughout the camp of Israel. And guess which report carried the day? The ten. The, they're giants! 
And so the Israelites in that moment started saying, hey, let's go back to Egypt where at least we know we can count on a meal at the end of the day. Now you and I look at that and we go, what are you thinking, stupid? What? I mean, come on, don't you read stuff in the Bible sometimes and you go, idiot. <laughs> idiot. How many of us, we went to a Dave Ramsey class and we've got all excited and we're going to get debt free and we're going to, and we're paying off and we're snowballing and we knock out a medical bill and then we knock out the smallest credit card and then our hours get reduced. And we find ourselves saying to our spouse, we're never going to get out of debt. Giants. Or how many of us in a school setting, we started, we're going along, you know, it's hard, but then there's the, we get the letter from financial aid, and there are, our aid has changed, and we kind of flunk one class, and then we decide, well, I'm just going to take a semester off, and the semester becomes a year, and at the end of the year, we find ourselves saying, I'll never finish Giants, okay? So it, it happens, it happens. But the thing is, you and I are actually commanded in the Bible to persevere. Did you know that? We're actually commanded. We're told by God, hang in there, hang in there. And so my favorite text for that is actually Hebrews chapter 12. And that's where we're going to be today. And hopefully at some point, maybe they'll throw up uh, Hebrews 12, 1 through 4. We'll see. But Hebrews 12, 1 through 4 um, is a command in there to persevere. Um, this idea of perseverance is so important. A man named John Calvin, <gasps> I know an Asbury grad mentioning his name. Shh. John Calvin was a man who lived roughly 500 years ago. He was one of the guys that uh, means that we do church the way we do today because we're not Catholics. We're Protestants. But John Calvin believed there were five things that were ultimately true and real about the universe. Five things. Do you know what thing number five was? perseverance. He called it perseverance of the saints. What he meant by that was this, born again followers of Jesus hang in there and they finish with Jesus, period, end of discussion. Anything else isn't a born again believer. He believed that was what was real and true about the universe. So go figure, obviously it was important enough to get on his radar, but this is what the writer of Hebrews says. Therefore, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance, perseverance, the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Boom. All right, so let's unpack this a little bit. First of all, there's a therefore. And anytime you see in the, that word in Scripture, you always got to back the truck up and go, well, what's going on before it, right? Because therefore is always this, in light of. So what's in light of? Well, chapter 11 of Hebrews is all these people. Abraham, Moses, I mean, just all these people who God made a promise and told them to do something. They had a God vision for something, and they took that first step, and then it was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Abraham. Wait a minute, you said uh, we were going to have kids. So many kids, they were numerous as the stars. Moses, I'm going 
I'm going to solve this problem. We're going to set the Israelites free. Forty years as a shepherd later. I mean, person after person after person, they get a promise of God. They get a God vision for something. They take that step, and then it doesn't match the picture in their head. But they take another step, and they take another step. And chapter 11 is all about, basically, faith, which is our confidence that God's going to do what he promised. It's really, if you can soften it down, that's really all faith is, in a sense. And if you look at the Bible, one of the big uh, metaphors, one of the big themes of the Bible is God basically saying to people, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Okay, so therefore, all right, therefore, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. All those people that are in chapter 11 are actually, the imagery he uses is surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. They're actually cheering you and I on. They're done. They're finished. And they've gotten to the other side and they've figured out firsthand, oh yeah, God carries the day. And they know it with a confidence and they want you to take that next step. And the next step after that and the next step after that because they know now. God carries the day, all right? So we're given some practical advice, throw off things that entangle. Those can be attitudes, sinful behaviors. Um, for a while, one of the things I'm throwing off this year for me is, the, is a, a wrong belief in my heart that God's not for me. That's not true, and so it's tossed off. And so um, you may have things in your life that are, are tripping you up in your relationship with God. What the author here is saying is, throw it off, throw it off. Run, take the next step. And we focus our gaze on Jesus, he says here in, what is it, verse 3, because keeping our gaze on Jesus means we won't grow weary and quit. All right? So if God's given you a dream, if God has made you a promise... If there's this God dream that's been birthed in you, I just want to say to you today, persevere, persevere, persevere. Hang in there, okay? Hang with it. Stick with it. It's not going to play out the way you had it on when you took that first step, okay? But if you can get over that, take the next step. Take the next step. Take the next step. The best way I know how to talk about that is to talk about real people and the steps that they've taken. So, let me tell you a backstory that you may not know about Ted Grimes, right? You all know Ted. He's the guy that opens the door and says hello to you. Ted moved to Kentucky to become the service manager for um, a Freedom, Freedom Dodge Jeep Eagle. And then they changed hands. I can't, okay, I don't do jingles on TV. Give me a break. Okay, so Freedom Dodge Jeep Eagle is what got him to come to Kentucky, and he's doing that, and he's doing that. And ownership changes, whatever changes, and boom, Ted doesn't work for them anymore. And then he finds himself in a period of time and he's driving trucks, driving trucks, driving trucks. I don't know how you drive a truck. I've you know, never driven one in my life. Okay, so they lived, Ted and Ellie and, and Leah, they lived on the south side of Lexington, one of those neighborhoods uh, just south of Clay, where Clay's Mill Extended is. And I remember having a conversation with Ted at the time, and this is what he said, honest God truth. It's like, Ted, are you really going to drive trucks the rest of your life? And he goes, well... You know what I really see? What do, you, what do you really see, Ted? Someday, you know what I want? What? What do you want? I want to have a place out in the country. And I'm going to put a garage behind the house so that I can work on cars. 
and I want to have the ability to want to have a light day, work on just a few things. When I have a 10-hour day, I put in a 10-hour day. When it's lunchtime, I can go into the house, grab myself a sandwich, and come right back out. He's in the middle of it right now. If you talk to him, he'll tell you. He's in the middle of it. But it didn't play out anyway the way he expected, but by golly, he's taken steps. Uh, there's another man named Glenn. Glenn owned, I knew Glenn when he owned a hotel on the north side of Lexington. And he had inherited it from his parents. It was a quality inn. And Glenn's attitude with the hotel business was, it did not set his soul on fire. He did not enjoy it. Uh, yeah. But to talk to him at the time, that was his lot in life. Mom and dad owned a hotel. Now I own the hotel. I'm a hotel owner. He went on a mission trip. Then he went on another mission trip. Then he went on like five mission trips. And he was like on fire. And he just wanted to do all this stuff for God, but he was a hotel owner. Can you catch the excitement he had for hotels? <laughs> and I remember having a conversation with him one day and going, you get so pumped and God is using you in so many different ways within the context of missions in church. When are you just going to cut the cord? Well, you can't make a living. Well, I know what that's like, but you know. Well, the day came and he cut the cord and he sewed the hotel. Today, the guy's an executive pastor. I mean, he's an ordained pastor and he's doing the things that he loved to do however many years ago when he was a hotel manager and didn't love anything at all. There are couples in this church who believed that God wanted to give them a baby, and, and they tried and 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 tried, 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 tried and couldn't. And then, boom. And we've dedicated babies that shouldn't be here in this family. So I'm just, I want you, now, my caveat is, does every dream come true, just like Tinkerbell says? No. And I've preached on that before, and if you're sitting here today going, oh, thanks for rubbing salt in the place. No, I, I get it. But for all of you that are in the middle, I want you to take another step. I want you to take another step. I want you to take another step. I want you to persevere. It's worth it. Persevere, all right? So how do you do that, right? I want to give you some practical advice. Advice piece number one, quit quitting. You know what I'm talking about. In the early days of generations, I could tell you how many days I wanted to quit. I quit, God. I quit. I told God I quit I don't know how many times. And I had a guy mentoring me at the time who started a church that started other churches that's like eight, 30-some churches that can go back to him. And I remember saying to him, Charles, you know, I just want to quit. And he goes, well, yeah, you could do that. And I'm like, well, did you ever, and, and, did you ever struggle with this? And he goes, oh, yeah, I wanted to quit all the time. And I'm thinking, yeah, but you're like Moses and Jesus. <laughs> you wanted to quit? Yeah, I wanted to quit. And I was like, what did you do? He said, one day I decided to quit quitting. I was like, you know what? This is what God's called me to. And I'm just going to do it. I'm, I'm quit quitting. I did that quite a while ago. Generations, I just quit quitting. So I don't quit anymore. So my advice to you, if it's, I'm going to be an artist, I'm going to be a writer, I'm going to finish this degree, we're going to get out of debt, we're going to quit quitting. Take the next step, just quit quitting, okay? The second piece of advice harkens to a little bit of what Daniel talked about last week, which is simply, there's kind of some ingredients that need to be in play in your life. Bible intake, 
I know, reading the Bible's hard. None of us read anything anymore, but however you do it, if you're listening to it on audio, if you're getting snippets here and there, just Bible intake, sorry, Bible intake as it gets into your mind and heart just positions you to hear God better. Prayer. And again, you've, you've, if you've been here any length of time, you know that at Generations, this isn't like a prescribed thing, so at 6.35 you get up and you pray a specific way until 6.45 a.m. and it has to be, no. Prayer is a conversation. Just be, are you con, con, having an con, ongoing conversation with God? What's that like? And then lastly, community with other people who are moving toward Jesus. Those are some ingredients that can help you persevere. I'm telling you, it can help you persevere, right? So, one, I want you to persevere, but two, I want you to know something that harkens back to what I talked to at the very beginning, and that's this. You're not here by accident. Oh, yeah? No, you're not here by accident. You're not. I stopped believing in coincidences quite a while ago. You're not here by accident. And if you've been here at the Generations family and you've been thinking, man, I like the preaching, I like the people, you know, I'm getting something out of it every, every day, I wanna, that's fine. That's a fine attitude to have. But I want to suggest to you something a little bit bigger. You may be getting something out of it, but see, you're actually here for someone else. God wants to use you to impact somebody else. He does. I know you got all of these reasons why, you know, I had reasons why I couldn't start a church. I totally get your reasons. But it doesn't mean what I'm saying isn't true. It's so true. See, there's what you see, and then there's what God wants to do. And what God wants to do is always, always, always so much bigger than what you see. The job at Rosenwald Dunbar. It's God's provision so we can chart a church. No, it's having a veteran who loves Jesus who's going to love that really, whoo, group of kids that year. Uh, There's Zeke's birth. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to last week. Cool, we get to have a kid and it gets to be paid for. No, it's Wayne is going to find his way back to God. I mean, thing after thing, there's what you see and then what God wants to do. And what God wants to do is so much bigger than what you and I tend to see. So what what if you're not here for you? What if you're actually here to impact somebody else? What if? You're never too old, you're never too young. When Jenny and I were, the first year we were married, I was a died and died in the wool Baptist. That's all I knew, and that's all I believed there was in terms of Christianity. You were either saved or not. Baptist or not, same thing <laughs> in my mind at the time. Okay? I even wore the suits every week in the wingtips, okay? But we had a we had an I mean, they were old then, Dr. and Mrs. Webster. They were retired then. That was like 1991. We still do the Christmas card thing. She's got to be like 120. Okay? So hopefully she's not listening today. <laughs> okay? But, it, but at the time, they were the ones that helped us out of Baptist land into something a little bit bigger. And they were died in the wool Baptist who stayed Baptist, but they knew that God wanted to do something in us. If they hadn't done that small thing in 91, I'm serious. I might be doing, well, brother, and be wearing a suit right now today someplace else. There might be a Generations Community Church because my vision of church would have remained what it was. Who knows, right? And they were old at the time. Then there was, when I was in uh, junior high school, my cousin Mike, who was a high school student, and he was the track star and the football star and the everything star. But he loved God and wanted to be a pastor. And he would take me around. And 
through the relationship, basically make it clear, hey, God wants to do something through you, Mark. Really? Yes. And he would say it with confidence. And as a gawky junior hire, I actually believed him more than I believed the preacher. If you're here today and you're a teenager, I'm telling you, you're not just here for you. You're here for somebody else. And you, you, you never know the kind of impact that you could make. So today, Hebrews 12, all right? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that entangles, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. To paraphrase the movie, run, Forrest, run. It's worth it. Verse 